Beyond the Ranch with Jay Gunnan from Find the Ranch. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Wrench. We're excited to be back with you after taking a few weeks off. We uh, we took some time to kind of reorganize some of our content, and I think what we've come up with is going to be really, really cool. The podcast was really popular prior to us taking this break, and I think you know, as we make these changes and incorporate some of our other stuff, and uh, really, really excited to get back with you and get some really, really good content to you. Uh, a couple new additions to our weekly show. We're actually going to kick off each episode by announcing the winner of our weekly higher or lower game in the Wrenchway mobile app. So uh, for those of you that are looking out to see who won the competition each week or the game every week, uh, tune into the podcast. You'll be able to hear that. If you haven't heard of the Wrenchway mobile app yet, it is an outstanding, really, really cool app that I think you're all going to like. It's a place for technicians and industry professionals to give feedback on what they love about the industry, maybe what needs improvement with the industry, and really overall what it's like to work in the industry. And we cover a variety of different topics, such as flat rate, productivity, certifications, and many, many more topics. Anyone who works in the industry can download the Wrenchway app in the App Store or on Google Play. We uh, just updated the app so that it's no longer invite only. So you don't need uh, to get an invite in order to be on the app. I think this helped us kind of maintain a, uh, a good population on the app in terms of the, the folks that really were able to give good feedback. Now we're opening it up to the whole industry. So the update is live in the latest version of the app on Google Play and should be live on the App Store later this week. Last week's higher or lower winner is Matthew Lee with a high score of 40. Matthew won a $100 Amazon gift card, and he also got a shot at our Queen of Hearts pot. Unfortunately, did not turn over the Queen of Hearts, so the pot increases to $1,000. This week's featured topic in the Wrenchway app is on employee recognition. We're asking, does your shop recognize employees for their work? Log into the Wrenchway app, give us your feedback on this topic, and play our games for a chance to win that $100 Amazon gift card and $1,000 in cash. Want to give a special shout out and thank you to our friends at Full Bay for sponsoring the higher or lower game this week. Uh, great, great people. I'd highly encourage you to go check them out. Uh, we love them. We love our partnership with them, and they're just great people. So go check out Full Bay if you get a chance. Now, the, on to the, the episode for this week. And I was so excited to record this one. This is with TC Olson. TC is the Director of Talent Acquisition at LKQ. Uh, I think most of you are probably familiar with LKQ. It's a big company. And we talk a little bit about that in the podcast. But we discuss a variety of different things around recruiting military vets and really how to manage military vets once you have them in your shop. So I really hope you enjoy this week's uh, episode. You'll see that TC is just an outstanding person, really, really talented, really, really smart, and uh, really had a lot of fun. So I uh, hope you enjoy the episode and talk to you next week. All right. Welcoming TC Olson, the Director of Talent Acquisition for LKQ Corporation to the, the program. Uh, excited to have TC on just because I've, I've gotten to know him a little bit, gotten to kind of learn about his background. He actually took part in our Wrenchway Roundtable 
around the very topic that we're going to discuss today. So uh, TC, how you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, definitely a fast day, fast year, um, but, def- but but happy to be here, Jay. Yeah, we're happy to have you. It's uh, it's fun to to watch you. I've learned more about your journey kind of through, through this uh, sector, through this uh, industry. Why don't you tell us a little bit first off about what you do at LKQ? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so at LKQ, I serve as the director of talent acquisition uh, for North America, which has been an exciting time. Um, you know, obviously anybody in the industry that knows us or do- doesn't know who LKQ is, you know, we're, we're definitely uh, the, the largest aftermarket and recycled auto parts company in, in North America. Um, you know, as, as things have evolved, so have we. And it's been exciting to you know, kind of be a part of that as well. Um, in my in my role, I I uh, am responsible for not just designing and implementing our recruitment strategies, but also delivering on that. And in a time like today, where you know you're, you're almost handcuffed by so many different variables, it's definitely every day. Every day is brand new for sure. Yeah, and I, I, for those of you, uh, I think pretty much everybody's going to be aware of who LKQ is. I, I mean, it's a it's a big company, right? And it's uh, I mean, your role in it, there you've got your hands in kind of a lot of different pieces, but really kind of designing a program or, or working a program that, that you really started from the ground up, right? Yeah. So I actually started full-time with OKQ in 2017. Um, prior to that, I was the third-party staffing vendor for the company, um, which dated back to 2014. Um, but since 2017, you know, we've really gone through an evolution as an organization. Um, OKQ is, you know, typically a, uh, it grows through acquisition. And so as, you know, since 1998, 20 20 plus years ago, the company has evolved into, you know, a much more mature type of organization where we have a centralized uh, mindset around ensuring that our customers are getting a full service uh, from us as an organization. Um, Internal recruiting was one of those brand new initiatives that uh, prior to 2017, um, was, was essentially non-existent for the company, um, which is where I transitioned from a third-party, uh, supplier to, you know, an in-house recruiter for the, for the organization. Um, now it's been pretty, you know, recruiting is a, is a different world when it comes to, you know, placing somebody in the organization and, and seeing them grow through the organization. Um, you know, so over the past eight plus years of, I've watched some of my first placements uh, become leaders, and in some situations, owners of a PNL or owners of a particular department. Um, so, you know, from 2017 to now, it's it's been a, a pretty fun time to not just learn my identity within the company, but also the company's identity within the market or within the markets in which we serve, um, and also be competitive. You know, I call it, and you kind of hence the the military subject, I call it the trenches. Uh, and, and they're, they're very, uh, very active today. Yeah. And your, your escalation is cool. And I think, uh, when, when I say that, why don't you give us a little bit of your background on how you got to this point in your career? Yeah. So it was funny, you know, Jay, when we were talking the last time, um, and this has kind of been a self-realization of mine, 
you know, I, I am a kid of the industry. I, I grew up in salvage yards in, in, uh, you know, so my, my grandfather's yard could have been considered a salvage yard, <laughs> um, but climbing through old cars, pulling parts off of them. Um, and I remember as, you know, I started getting, uh, you know, a little bit more mature in my life growing up in a super small town. Um, I wanted nothing to do with that piece of the industry. And, uh, you know, my family is a family of mechanics and technicians. And, you know, to even see that, see it all come full circle is, is pretty, it's pretty interesting. Um, but it's also a reason why, you know, I'm, I'm very active with foundations and curriculum that is ultimately supporting our youth and the future of our, our youth in the automotive industry. Um, so, you know, full circle, not necessarily knowing that my future, what my future held, um, you know, I, I, I still hold those memories close to, close to my heart because you know, that's the reason why we're out trying to find folks and, and retain um, technicians within our own industry today. Yeah. And so uh, talk to me a little bit about how that led to kind of the, your military path. <laughs> yeah, it's always everybody has the story, right? Everybody has the, here's why I joined. Um, you know, when I graduated from college in, in, in 2010, uh, there really wasn't much going on. Um, you know, the, I, I do have a military family as well. And, you know, for me, it was always, if, if you go to college, you know, I played sports in college, you don't make it beyond that in sports. Well, you know, then what? Well, there was always that fallback of the military. Um, and, you know, as you transition from college athletics to, you know, the nor uh, a normal type of job, you still miss that piece of something, you miss that, that piece of competitiveness. You still get the remnants of the smell of grass and stuff like that, but um, you don't have that competitiveness. So I actually uh, you know, joined the military in 2010 and I'm still in today, I'm still in the, the, the Tennessee Army National Guard. Um, but you know, what that's allowed me to do the past 11 years is not just build my own civilian career, but also continue that connection and, and build that bridge between transitioning veterans. Um, and that is, again, another very elusive uh, connection that we're, we're really trying to establish as, as more and more uh, veterans are hitting the job markets today. And I, I think that's so cool. I can't wait to dive into this subject with you in a little bit more detail. The first thing I've got to start with is when you say college athletics, what did you play? I played uh, college football. And what, what position? I played, it's, it's an outside linebacker. We called it a tight nickel. Um, so essentially the Troy Palomalu position. Nice. All right. That was. Yep. All right. So, so no, just... no responsibilities, just fly around and have fun. You know, that was, that was the, the plan on every, every Saturday. Sounds like the best position to play. Like you can just kind of roam around and uh, go make plays. Absolutely. Make a play was, was really, was our motto. So that's awesome. That's awesome. So as we dive into this, the, the military veterans and you and I have had extensive conversations about this in the past. One of the things that I like to start with is just kind of identifying maybe some stereotypes that we might see uh, in the industry as it pertains to hiring technicians. And at, at Wrenchway and Finder Wrench, 
we do work with shops all across the country to help them find techs. And there's been times where maybe a shop is resistant to hiring a veteran and it could be for a variety of different reasons. Sometimes they, they don't make sense to me. Um, but there's times where I, I kind of understand where they're coming from. And I think that's where having conversations like this are so important so that we can educate our industry on how we better manage uh, and really maybe not only manage veterans, but manage our expectations. So uh, one stat just real quick that we had with our Wrenchway insiders who are primarily technicians themselves, uh, we asked them, when your shop hires a military veteran, what is your immediate reaction? 71% said that it was positive and 29% said indifferent. So I think as a general industry or community, we're fairly accepting of military veterans. Um, some people just don't care. <laughs> they're, they're just uh, getting more help in the shop. That's what they need. But what what have you seen in I, I guess you're you're very military focused so I you know your stereotypes are probably to the good side right you you love what you see out of them and we'll talk about some of those traits but have you seen anything in the industry that maybe or maybe not even just our industry but people hiring vets that there might be some some negative association to hiring a a veteran. Yeah, I think a lot of it is just the lack of understanding. Um, you know, in many situations, and you know, all, all, any veteran that that probably you know has ever communicated with somebody who has no idea what the military does, um, you know, the 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 image of what somebody gets as a veteran is you know that that person potentially holding a rifle, and in many situations, that's a very low percentage. Um, I think the understanding of, of who they are, of, of what they do, uh, sometimes is not seen on a resume. Uh, it, it really does come down to having an in-depth conversation with those individuals. And, you know, I, I do look at it from the positive side, right? I look at it from the competency. I look at it from uh, the way that somebody can be thrown into a situation, an adverse situation and adapt. Um, you know, for, for me, that's, that that is a, a level of productivity that they bring, not just to the workforce, but they bring to any organization that that really takes that that opportunity to get to know who that person is. Um, you know, the, the the lack of understanding sometimes really draws different emotions to who that person could potentially be, right? And you know, some of the stereotypes we all grew up. I think everybody, you know, may remember 9/11 and may remember exactly where they were. Um, but I think it's also something that you have to look at, at, at every veteran, you know, post that time frame and think, hey, this person volunteered to come out and, and serve their country. Um, I think that is, is something that I always point to, you know, we're men and women of action. And, and that is, you know, whatever that adversity is, we're going to find a way to overcome it. Um, but I think really the biggest misconceptions come from just the lack of understanding who who they are, what their role was within the military. And, you know, there, there are a lot of programs out there today that, that anybody has access to um, that will describe what, you know, certain MOS, uh, certain specialties are and, and, and really what they do. Um, what we're trying to teach internally is for veterans to be able to communicate that to a civilian or, or to somebody who's never had any 
any exposure to the military. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it was funny when we did our round table because everybody was saying their designations as we were going around. And I'm like, well, I feel like an idiot because I have no idea what any of that means. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, and, and that's kind of where that barrier is or that, you know, maybe that lack of understanding from the general civilian population to military vets is that's, that's been your language for a long time. And being able to translate that into a civilian world, right or wrong, it's, it's more like trying to, you know, I, I love your approach and when what you're working with vets on is, you know, trying to be able to communicate that over to the general, the general public. Right. And, yeah, and it's something that I, you know, personally on the hiring end have struggled with. And I mean, when, when you talk about those types of resources, if you're a company out there, what, what type of resources are there so you can have a better feel when you, when you do get into a conversation with uh, some vets that you don't feel like such an idiot? <laughs> yeah. No, there's, there's a lot of state organizations that, that do provide more of a, a, an in-depth dive into what, you know, maybe an 11 Bravo did. Um, that's an infantryman. That's the, the, the MOS that, that I've held for 11 years. Um, or what, uh, you know, somebody in transportation was responsible for. Um, there, there are so many different, uh, resources that can be accessible through Google, Yahoo, Bing, any of the major search engines. Um, I think what it really comes down to is how interested are you in that person? Um, you know, is that something that you really need that is really going to be that tipping point, whether or not you want to hire them? And that's where, you know, I, I pitched this within LKQ as well. Let's look at competencies. We know they may not have the exact experience we need. Now, if that's a, a role that isn't necessarily going to be, uh, we, we have some time to kind of get them up to speed, but these major competencies are there. That's that's really what we try and uh, we try and operate under. Um, but you know, when it comes to resources, there's resources externally for civilians looking to hire veterans, and and vice versa for veterans looking to transition into the civilian world. And each branch has their own transition assistance type of program that it's typically free for employers to to either visit the website, visit their social media pages, um, go and literally shake hands with with those types of people who are transitioning out um i'll i'll just tell you from the army's perspective the army has one that's called the Tr transition assistance program and that is preparing all of the veterans that have decided hey it's it's time for me to kind of hang the boots up um and when that happens you know they are preparing them not just from a an interviewing perspective but they're preparing them by helping them write a resume, helping to translate our brain full of acronyms into common language. Um, and, and I will tell you, you, know, you, you can typically see the person that comes out of that program that has truly uh, been extremely engaged during that process because they typically come out with a job and, and they never uh, take the time or, or wait till the end or procrastinate because you know, the day all the equipment's turned in is the day, well, now it's time to find that, that maybe entry-level role. Um, I will tell you, I've, I've had a lot of 
you know, very high ranking individuals transition up. And, you know, in the military, we, we are measured on our uniform. And, and typically that's, if it's our dress uniform or um, whatever our duty uniform is, um, it can be measured by achievements of a badge, of a school, of a, a ribbon from a particular campaign or, or something of that nature. Well, you don't wear that to your civilian job, right? And so, you know, for them, it's, it, it's, it's really trying to educate those that are transitioning out to be more, um, you know, kind of outspoken about what they've, what they've accomplished, how they can be of value to an organization. And, you know, don't get me wrong, in the military, they have m- maybe been responsible for four or 500 million in assets and, you know, 30 to 100, 100 soldiers. Um, and they're out in the job market with the same folks that have come through a four-year uh, a four-year uh, curriculum. So it's uh, the resources are, are plentiful and there's a lot of organizations that support the transition, both as the person transitioning and as employers who are, are wanting to engage. Yeah, I that was great information. I, I actually, as I'm thinking through this, I'm like, oh my goodness, there's specific examples where I, I could just envision going through interviews with, with vets. And I'm sure they were frustrated with me for not knowing what they were saying, but it, it, this actually helps with just identifying, okay, you know, some of the simple stuff that you would think me as a, a, a non-military vet would be able to understand. I think breaking it down at that level does help me a lot and hopefully it helps some of our audience as well. Um, one of the, the stereotypes that I ran across, and I think it's similar, I see some parallels to how people handle uh, individuals that come from a school. And when I say that, a lot of times they'll have one person that didn't live up to their expectations come in and they're from one school and then they're like, ah, that school sucks. Like, they're biased. Yeah, 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 exactly. And the way that I always said it to employers that, you know, were clients of ours is that you need to hire the person, not the school and, and really look at them as an individual. Is that similar in the military? I mean, I think there's times where maybe we get one person that doesn't really have the skill set that we're looking for. And then we equate all of the military being that person. And I think maybe I'm off base, but I think that's uh, that's pretty I don't know. That's human nature to sometimes think that way, isn't it? Hands down. Hands down. Typically, and, and I call it that pre-interview bias. Um, that bias is strong, whether anybody knows it. It's, uh, you know, typically the media or, or, or really any platform that's out there, you know, really can sway the bias of, of folks today. Um, whether you know it, it's, it's kind of like the, the, the whole Facebook thing. You say something around it. Well, now you're seeing ads for that item. Um, and, and you just never realize I get this a lot for OKQ. If my, my favorite thing is when somebody doesn't know who we are, because now I know I've got you. I'm going to sell you who we are, not just our sustainability, not just our growth, but I'm going to sell you who our culture is. And that's really what makes up our best assets. So, you know, when you talk about the bias, it is, it is very strong in, in many situations, right? You, you may have, if you put two candidates right next to each other, one has military experience from, you know, say the Marines or from 
the the army and the other doesn't right they're uh they have a bachelor's degree and they've been in the industry for two years right you're likely gonna lean towards that that person that has a couple years of experience a four-year degree or a two-year uh tech school degree and and the reason is you understand where that person may have come from the the vet i'm taking that person every single time and the reason is not just the adaptability but i know that that person has the leadership experience I know that that person is, is able to operate within a team. The military is built on teams. It's built on teamwork. Um, I know, and this is a, a very hot topic in, in everybody's uh, conversations today, and that is diversity. That's inclusion. Uh, yes, a veteran does fall into one of those categories, but the military as a whole is one of the most diverse organizations there is in the world. And the reason for that is there's all walks of life. We bring everybody in. You, if you want to be a part of it, come on. You just have to go to this schooling. Um, you have to you make it through these tests. You're constantly evaluated. So those bias are, are very strong. Um, and and they, can, they can really be the deciding factor whether somebody knows it or not. Um, but I, 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 like, I like that question because I like breaking through them. Um, you know, typically in the military, we we have our own internal bias and, you know, we may say, Oh, you know, that person is uh, in this military specialty. Yeah. We're not going to talk to them or <laughs> that person's of that branch. Yeah. We don't really hang out with them, but we all land back in the same, the same markets. And then it's like, you're looking for that familiar face and you're like, okay, that person said one word, which indicates that they are a veteran or they are somebody who has some military experience. I'm going to go talk to that person. Um, so, you know, and I, I get that a lot too, because in the world of artificial intelligence, bias is really, uh, it, it's really trying to break through that, but there's still a human component behind it. Um, so yes, yeah. you, you do see that bias throughout the process. Well, and I think that creates a huge advantage for you when it comes to going to market, right? And when you're going out and talking to individuals, having that military background and being able to talk to them at their level is, is a huge benefit, right? Like I, I got to feel like there's, there's some level of one respect for one another that when you go on that journey, not everybody does. And so you know what that yeah. other person went through. Uh, I, I got to imagine there's some level of mutual respect there where it, uh, it you just kind of, you feel like you're on a team even before you, you meet that person. And, and one of the hardest things in the military is not even in the military. It's the transition out of it. Right. It's, the, it's the culture. You know, we are wiped of our habits as we go through processing in the military. Well, then you, you're, you're, you're basically built, rebuilt from the ground up. And then you, you say, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm getting out. Well, now you've got to relearn certain things. Um, I remember I, I started out as guard, I'll, 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 I'll end as guard. And I remember the benefit and it took me probably until about my time here, four or five years or three or four years ago. And that was to say, man, I am glad I chose this path or, you know, I'm glad I landed on this path because that transition, I, I see it in some, and especially our, our folks that are transitioning out whether it's after a four-year contract or after 20 years. 
And that is, there's so much uncertainty. They don't operate like we do. Um, and so when, when you talk about, you know, some of the things that, that is beneficial to, to us as uh, an employer seeking veterans, it hands down is that instant comfort level or that instant understanding. I'll give you a great example from this week today. Reached out to a candidate. He was, he doesn't have our industry experience, but he was a captain. He was a, a captain in the army. And, you know, in, in many situations, if we're reaching out, they may or may not know us. There's, there's a lot of people hiring today, you know, hence that we're losing our people to other industries. Um, but the, the, the minute I, I, you break that barrier down and that barrier was, hey, you're a 19 series. You know, I, I can instantly tell from your resume, from your background. And that conversation is, is, is automatically different. And you're able to really just kind of break those barriers down. I would use, if I was somebody who was trying to attract veterans, I would use a veteran to help in those initial conversations because that is going to allow whoever that person, and maybe that's one of the best technicians you've ever seen on paper, and you see they have military experience, that could be the deciding factor in pulling that person into your organization. So it is, it's definitely a comforting conversation, not just for me, but, or, or really anybody on my team, it's, it's a comforting conversation for that candidate. And today's world, the reason we're losing technicians is because other industries are in some situations much more attractive than, mm -hmm. than we are here. Yeah. And that's a big piece of why we're, we're, we talk on this podcast too, is just trying to, to make sure that we're doing our part to improve the industry and, and working together with that. Um, one of the things that stuck out to me from the Wrenchway Roundtable that we did, and I believe you said it, it could have been one of the other panelists, but one of the, one of the things that really stuck out to me was when somebody brought up the fact that when you're going into an interview as, as a military vet, you're not used to promoting yourself. You're, you're, you're trained to kind of <laughs> stick in with the team. Right. And, and yeah. to, to go out and kind of puff your chest out and say, yeah, you know what? I'm great at this. It's not, it's not what you're trained to do. Right. Yeah. It, it was, it was me. Um, <laughs> and it was, uh, you know, I, I do a lot of presenting, not just internally, um, you know, through the creation of, of, of talent for the company, um, you're really building relationships with universities, building relationships with, with tech schools and, and other types of institutions. Um, but, but I did a lot of that through finding their veteran program. And, you know, I presented at a, a school here in, uh, here in the, the middle Tennessee area. It's, actually, it's, it's called middle Tennessee state university. Um, and one of the presentations was to their Charlie Daniels uh, program, to their veterans program. And it was, how do you stand out when the military has taught you to blend in? <laughs> and, and that is, uh, you know, something that at the time I'm like, man, this is, this is silly, right? They're, they're, I think they're going to understand it, but, you know, I really hope, you know, I don't get up there and they laugh at me. Um, but, you know, when, as I said it, it, it made so much sense because in the world we live in today, your digital image is your image. You know, you, it doesn't matter what you've done, your education, your, uh, your experiences. If you have a negative 
image digitally or on social media or some of one of those platforms, that's tough. That's going to be tough to overcome because typically what lands in, in those platforms, it's there and it's there forever. In some situations, it's discoverable. Um, you know, so part of that presentation was really, uh, you know, ensuring that your brand is is one that not not that you can just speak to, but it's also an efficient and a positive brand that a, a an organization can really take a look at and see you as a viable member of their team. Um, but that is one that uh, you know is difficult. And and I say, you know, many many pieces of the military have these internal groups, and and you instantly there's there's really only one way in, and that's that's through processing, right? Not many folks get get access to those groups. I, a lot of folks will call out the West Point group because if you've gone through West Point, typically you have a a network outside of it, or as you've hit the civilian world. Um, you know, there are several other ones as you look at uh, at the military and how it's broken down by by jobs. Um, but networking, networking hands down is the most effective tool. In the digital world we live in, you may apply for a job as a technician and never hear a word back. And and a lot of that, a lot of the reasoning behind that is your resume is not set up to go through that that applicant tracking system. So as that applicant tra- tracking system parses your information, it's parsing it based on the requirements of that role. And so you may not even get the chance to, to say, here's who I am and, and really even shine or let your competencies shine. Um, so I always go back to networking. And that was, you know, essentially the presentation. That was exactly what the what the emphasis was on was, you know, showing who you are within your network, but also leveraging your network. Because that is a that is one piece that you know I, I think that the old stat was two you percent know, of people have the ability to be in the military two percent are in the military or have been in uh, of the population and you know that's a very large group and when that group is unified and we bring brothers and sisters in all the time um, and we walk them right past that that process right past that applicant tracking system where they may have never even got exposure. Uh, had they not reached out. So, you know, I always say that networking is is by far the most effective tool for finding a job as well as trying to find a veteran to bring yeah. into the organization. That's that is great advice. I mean, for for you vets that are listening out there, that is uh that's some that's some great stuff. I mean, that's and so true. I mean, and even in the non-veteran community, like being able to to get out of your shell a little bit and go talk to people can can really open up a lot of doors for you. And uh, you know, I I highly encourage anybody to do that, but especially our, our vets out there. I think that's that's really important. I want to run one stereotype by you, and this is one that I this was from a personal experience that I had, and I, I like to talk to personal experiences just because. Uh, they're, they're something I can learn from. And I think others can as well, but I had early on in my career as a manager, I had a gentleman work for me. We were really his first stop out of retirement uh, from the military and just a, a great, great guy. And when I got him in, we would struggle with, 
you know, he would work his tail off when you gave him a task. But then once that task was done, he would just kind of stand there and wait. And then, so if somebody else on the team said, Hey, you know, why don't you go pick up a broom or go do, you know, go clean this area. And he would kind of fight back with them and not, not like in a demeaning way, but just kind of get defensive in that he was taking orders from his manager, which was actually reporting to me. And so one thing that I, you know, I think, unfairly stereotyped vets with is that, right? Because I was early on in my management experience and I was like, oh man, do I need to, you know, really kind of give them a whole task list of things that need to be done if this isn't, you know, if this, once they're done with their project, they need to move on to this. And so that was something I struggled with. And then I think when I took a step back and I looked, I'm like, okay, I actually have, you know, quite a few other veterans on the staff, but my mind kept equating to this individual. And, and I mean, is that something when, when I look for advice on how I better communicate or, uh, or manage or lead veterans, is that something that was just more of a one-off type thing? And, or is that something where maybe you do have to do a little bit of training around uh, trying to, uh, guide them or lead them in the direction that you want them to go? It's hard to say. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's hard to say because one of the most unpredictable things ever in creation is people. Yes. And, you know, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you look at it, you know, you can always have the best success profile there is. And there's going to be that one detractor. And it's that one detractor that everybody thinks about going back to your bias. Everybody thinks about that one person and not necessarily the main success of successful group that had that successful profile. And maybe that person did. It could have just been, you know, all these other variables that us as humans are, are, are experiencing on a daily basis. Um, but I'll go back to this every single time and it's structure. If you are given somebody, uh, you know, just a uh, very little. And, and I'm not saying that, that we can't jump in feet first and figure our way out of a, uh, out of a mess. Um, that is the military. The military is always, you can have the best plan and you just know there is going to be some sort of deviation from that, whether it's because of logistics, supply, because of personnel, whatever it is. Um, but I think with structure, you give veterans the the that next achievable point right and it's not to say that we're only task oriented because yes we're definitely task oriented that's how your your career is built in the military but it's more to say that you know if if i am taking orders or i'm following directions from the person that gave me those directions and i complete them right i should also know a subset of what i should be doing beyond that and that really comes from that structured plan um, you know, so that's the process and procedure, the same way to take apart, to disassemble and reassemble uh, a weapon is the same way that we should learn how to do certain things with the vehicle and the little subset processes, uh, that, that do come into play. If you know, say this doesn't work or this pin isn't there, um, you know, so it's, it, it's really hard to say what that was from, whether that person was just, you know, it could have been the transition. The transition could have been just super difficult for that person in that that particular situation. 
Well, and I think you hit it spot on. It was structure, right? When, when, structure. and that in that scenario, it was lack of structure and being able to work through that with him. Uh, I learned a lot in, in needing, you know, really understanding what he craved in terms of, okay, I need, I need this, this way. And when we did that, we, we saw, you know, cause we, we always knew he was productive, right? Every time you gave him a task, he would, work like hell. And he was, he was great. Uh, it was just those in-between moments. And once we fixed those, it was, it was great. You know, we, we had a a great experience. So, um, you know, that's that I, I'm more so state that from the standpoint of I'm totally guilty of having that stereotype at one point in my life. And it was not, (laughs) it was not any fault of, of his, it was my fault for not understanding how to lead him. And, and really, you know, I think that's part of everybody's management growth journey. Uh, but that was something that, you know, in my experience, I, I struggled with early on and, and um, it's still, you know, it's still a learning process for me, but I think that's, you know, just hearing everything that you just said there is like spot on. I mean, that's, that's exactly how I should have done it rather than how I did it. <laughs> well, and I think you, you, you mentioned a word in there that's extremely important to especially veterans, and that is leadership. Leadership is, is one that we all chase in some form or fashion. Um, and in sometimes it's really giving them some sort of ownership over something, whether that's a process, that's a, uh, a tool, that's you know, some sort of relationship. Um, that is also a great way, not just to get buy-in, but build trust from that person and also see how good of a leader they can potentially be. Um, we've all had them, the really, really good ones. And we all chase them. Uh, and we've all also had these ones and that's the really, really bad ones. And we try and stay away from them, but it's important to take a piece from every single one knowing like, Hey, I shouldn't be that one that, that had this potentially negative trait, but I also want to make sure I, I, I try to be that one that has that great trait. So you know, leadership is extremely important. I will, I will bucket that up there with structure for anybody. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's not even just the veteran community. That is every single person. They're not leaving. Okay. Q. They, they, they potentially are leaving because of leadership or some form, some form of variable where they haven't potentially, you know, been utilized, uh, uh fully, uh, based on their potential. So, um, it's a big, it's a big word. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I don't know how this equates, but I, I read uh, Jocko Wilnick's book, Extreme Ownership. (laughs) And I don't know, like something like that. How is that perceived in the military? Hey, that's good. Uh, And and so the reason I say that leaders, whether you are with that, your soldier or not, you have ownership of whatever that person's actions are. And so, you know, as, and this could have been that, uh, you know, that particular situation, um, he had never had that sort of autonomy. And, you know, hey, I finished my stuff. Now what do I do? Do yeah. I kick this can around the shop? Or <laughs> do, I, do I go, you know, empty the trash can? You, you see what I'm saying? Like extreme yeah. ownership. And, and I, I love it. I love that book. I actually preach it to, to my team as well. You know, if you are managing people, you are ultimately responsible for their actions. Uh, as it as it is within the realm of of what we do, um, so if, if anybody is outspoken or if anybody has a negative interaction, I'll go back to that bias. 
right? That one deviated situation from what maybe you taught them or you trained them on, guess what? You own that one too. You know, as that leader, you ultimately own everything that is that this person is putting off of. So extreme ownership, I, it, I, I'm responsible for our, uh, our third party supplier relationships as well. And I, they have gotten a handful of Jocko quotes from me because, you know, when somebody ultimately messes up or something happens and, you know, and some, you know, whatever the situation is, it is, you know, essentially you're telling me we have to pay for your lack of training of that person. I'm going to give that right back to you and say, no, it's ownership. And if I, if my team is in the wrong, I'll own it. If, if yours is, I expect you to own it. That's a partnership. That's spot on. I, um, I did really enjoy that book. And I think <laughs> it, uh, if anything makes you feel like a weak individual, it's probably reading that book because you go through and, and listen to everything that they did and went through and, and how he applies it to a civilian life now. And, you know, I, I love the way the book was, you know, kind of laid out because it went through stories and then how that translated to uh, civilian life or how they, because they're advising businesses and it was, uh, it was right. cool. It was cool. I liked, I enjoyed that book. So we're running up on our time here. One, one thing that I want to talk about are some of the positives, right? And, and when we look at hiring vets, uh, identifying characteristics of those military vets that make them great employees. And we had asked our, our Wrenchway insiders that same question. And the results came back that 31% said that they're hardworking 28% said punctual, 14% said respectful and organized, uh, 14% each. And then 13% said uh, all of the above. We had an other category, but most of those people said all of the above. So I think, you know, when we talk about stereotypes, I think there's some positive ones too, right? There's a lot of really, really positive ones. And I think our insiders hit it on the head here with with all of these things. Uh, you know, I think there's so many positives that to be had out of military vets. Can you talk to those? I mean, to those characteristics are they are they on point with how they how they rank these? Or I mean, it, you know, th there was obviously quite a few that said that they check all the boxes. Similar in your experience? Yeah, absolutely. And and the reason I say that, you know, as as we've hired and, you know, I guess the, I've been responsible or, or in some form or fashion involved in 20,000 plus hires, um, you, you try and show the value, right? The value of who that person is, the competency instantly. When you hit the military, the minute you raise your right hand, you're already showing one of them and that's action. Um, being able to respond to certain things with actionable items. Uh, I always look at productivity because everything is about performance. If, you know, these types of individuals are coming in, they have probably had to learn on the fly, you know, the, the old military way, like, Hey, throw them in. Let's see what they, what comes out. Right. Um, but those are transferable skills that may not be on a resume, uh, proven to be tested. Uh, be able to, uh, to, to overcome adversity in very difficult situations. Um, to me, when that, when that is translated, translated over to corporate America or really any, any uh, type of organization outside of the military, that is productivity. 
and you know, you're getting a person that is ultimately you're going to be able to throw the, the kitchen sink at and they're going to hand it back to you and say, here it is. Right. You, you gave me this problem. You gave me this, this situation. And that is also something that can be very customer facing. And, you know, we, we talked about this on the round table. That is sometimes a misconception. We actually do know how to talk to everybody. It's in the manner of which we feel we should be talking to them. That really is what's in question. Um, you know, there's instant respect as you, as you walk into some of those conversations. And, and it's, it's definitely something that's learned through time to be able to respond when you're not given that respect. Um, but, and I always have this, I kind of laugh, I, I, I giggle almost like a kid when people curse at me. Um, and I don't know where it came from, but it's you know, kind of <laughs> just this, this 10 years, this decade of, you know, having uh, some, some adverse conversations. Um, but you're getting that, you're getting the teamwork, you're getting, um, you know, the ability to, to take not just safety, but health and safety into consideration in just about everything that you do. And then many times, you know, if, if we've been involved in it and it's not a good situation, it's because we already measured those risks and we thought we could get past that, that, that one piece that was bad. Um, performance, I go back to performance under pressure, performance and adversity. Um, I, I look at, I jotted some of these down, you know, even just some of the things that are completely instilled in us from day one, and that is integrity. Every organization, if integrity is not in the conversation of your, your mission statement or your values as a company, as an organization, uh, if it is, which I'm, I'm assuming most are, uh, if not, they're probably the folks that are calling us 25 times a day about our warranties. If not... <laughs> integrity is one thing that is absolutely instilled in us. And, and that's where I think every, every hard part, every MSO, every shop, you know, big, small, and indifferent um, is going to benefit over that level of integrity that these individuals are having. I, that, that was well said. That was very well said. Now, as we kind of leave off here, what are some tips that you have for, for managing veterans and and maybe there's that person that's out there right now and like, Hey, I'm just kind of, I'm trying to improve my communication with a, with a vet that I'm leading or, you know, just general management practices. One thing I'll say that I learned from the round table was that the, I think pretty much everybody on that call or on that meeting had said, you know, when you give feedback, give it direct. And that yeah. was something that I, I struggled with. I still struggle with to this day. It, it, I mean, one, is that accurate? And then two, is there anything else that can kind of help somebody when they're, when they're trying to lead uh, somebody that's got that military background? Absolutely. Direct feedback. We want it. That, that we, we seek it, right? Good, bad. I mean, there, there may be situations where it's bad, but we need it and we need to hear that. Um, you know, I, and, and I think that holds true no matter what branch it is. And that is because of that ownership. Your, your leaders have this overall ownership of who you are, of your behavior, of everything, not just in uniform, but even out. And if there's a situation where, you know, you let that, that kind of small flame turn into a brush fire, it can become this situation that is, is uncontrollable by anybody. 
um, direct feedback. I think the other thing too is, and this is something that you know, I try and push to the team. I try and push to, to folks that, that I'm working with trying to get hired and I have to be real, be honest, be truthful. Um, if, if what you're saying is coming from the heart, they're going to feed off of that. Like, Hey, you know, I know this, this leader wants what's best for me. Yes. I'm, I'm here to help him achieve their goal or help her achieve this particular mission. But at the same time, they want me to be a better contributor to that. And that's why I'm getting this direct feedback, hands down direct feedback, how you deliver it is also extremely important. You know, if it should be a phone conversation, it should be a phone conversation. If it should be an in-person conversation, it should be, you know, typically, you know, leaders that have had, that have some experience and even new leaders, you know, they know when I need to give this, this feedback, I'm somewhat concerned with how it's going to be uh, received. I'm going to just shoot this email. That's not the right way. No. Um, so I think that's an extremely important on, on every situation. And, and I, and I think that's even beyond just the veteran community. And that is, give direct feedback, give honest feedback. You know, we, we have this, I, I almost wake up with nightmares of this, but task standard condition time. If you're telling me I have to do something and you've never shown me how to do it, you've never done it yourself. It's very hard for there to be some credibility there. So I think being real is extremely important as they're delivering that direct feedback. That's great stuff. That is really, really good stuff. I, I uh, genuinely appreciate you joining me on the podcast today. I, you, I think, take some some things that are uh, can be intimidating, right? Like for for those of us that don't have that veteran background or that military background, to be able to kind of do some translating for us and 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 really show us maybe some some key ways that we can we can work with people. Now, TC, how do uh, how do people get in touch with you if they want to reach out to you? Oh man, uh, LinkedIn is probably one of the best ways. Um, you know, obviously, I uh, when I when I initially started at OKQ, I used my cell phone number, so <laughs> cell phone is is always a great way. Email, I'm sure Jay, I'm sure Sarah or somebody can put it up in the in the the video credits or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I'm definitely open, not just the network, but to advise if, you know, there's something in here that kind of sparked a, a different idea, a different conversation, definitely, uh, you're motivated to expand on it. Um, if it helps, what helps what I think we, we have two common things from this, and that is to try and not just continue to bring veterans in something I'm extremely passionate about, or, but also continue to, to enhance the, the industry or our technicians um, by bringing veterans in both both ways, you know, the future, whether it's veteran transition or you know, really even just the, the growth or the, the education of our youth into the industry. And I, I'm here, I, I jump in as much as possible. Um, you know, I, I'm passionate, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I, I definitely think there's, there's, you know, good common subjects that, that we can have some, some conversations around. I love it. And we'll, uh, we'll be sure to get you onto the podcast and some other content that isn't all military focused. We, we know you do some other stuff too. So I'll, uh, we'll, we'll be sure to have you back on if you'll come back on. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. would love to. Well, thank you so much, TC. We really, really appreciate it and uh, hope you have a great day. Thanks. You too, Jay.